Welcome to the Reunion Belleville podcast, a place where everyday people apprentice to Jesus. We're glad you pulled up a seat and we hope that today's lead-in encourages you to take your next step. All right, good morning, good morning. It's so nice uh, to be together. And this morning I want to start with a story. Uh, It's one you've maybe heard before. It's about a bridge and it's become um, a pretty popular allegory that people are applying in lots of different ways in business and such like this. But back in 2012, I actually heard this story about a bridge in Honduras. Because in the early 1990s, the Honduras government wanted to build a new bridge over a pretty significant river to connect it to a bypass road. In the country known for dangerous hurricanes, they needed a bridge that could handle tropical storms, really intense weather. So they hired a Japanese firm who built them a bridge with the latest and the best technology. And the construction was finally completed in 1998. But... Only after a couple of months, the expected tropical storm season came, and with it, Hurricane Mitch that dumped 75 inches of rain onto this country in four days. That's the equivalent to what they would normally receive in six months. The river, of course, it flooded because that's what they expected to happen, but the river flooded and the country flooded, and sadly, over 7,000 people lost their lives. It was devastation. The hurricane damaged or destroyed most of the bridges in this country, except for one. The new bridge remained unaffected. It it withstood the hurricane's fury. The engineering and construction succeeded, but there was a small problem. Yes, look at at the image on the screen. The rushing floodwaters that surged through the river altered the river's course. The hurricane formed a brand new channel. The river no longer flowed under the bridge. It now flowed beside it. The strong, the newest, and the best bridge instantly became a bridge to nowhere. And this isn't the fault of the government, the design, the engineers, or the builders, right? The the bridge did what it was supposed to do, but the unexpected happened. And in the aftermath, I can imagine the team could have got together and spent days or more arguing about what they could have done better. But the more important question they needed to ask is, what are we going to do now? And according to the news and information available, there was kind of three options being tossed around. Should they attempt to redirect the river back under the new bridge? (laughs) That doesn't sound easy. Should they forget about the bridge and leave it as a bridge to nowhere? Or should they build a new bridge connecting to the, the new bridge and make it just a slightly different construction and a slightly different path? Apparently, according to the articles, they decided to go with the second option, leave it as a bridge to nowhere. Until 2003, when it was reconnected to the highway, even though there was no need for a bridge at that spot anymore. And you can see it on the screen. It's just a bridge in the middle of... Uh, a sandbar, <laughs> just a bridge, no water under it, nothing's going on, it's just a just a bridge. But again, I heard this story back in 2012 and it made me ask, am I doing the same things even when things have changed? As a pastor and a leader at that time, I thought life happens, transitions take place, some on account of my own choices or our choices and some on the account of just life happening. But it begged it begged, and I think it still does, it begs the question, is the way we do things actually addressing the way things are because things change. 
And that question all those years ago, it started this process that would eventually mean that I'd quit my job and we as a family, we'd move 10 hours away to a city with, with few connections. And all these years later, now here we are, and I think it's a, this is a question pastors and churches, myself and us together need to ask more often. Are we still doing the same thing even though things have changed? Because things are different for us. When I say us, I mean the church, I mean, I mean Christians or apprentices to Jesus, because over the course of the last 20 years, we have seen a steady, a steady decline in the percentage of people who identify as Christian. In 2016, uh, 23 to 26% of the population identified as having no religious affiliation. And this is up from 12% in 1991 or 17% in 2001. Of that 23 to 26%, did you know that 49% of those people, I don't, not like those people, but of that, of that demographic, they're actually under the age of 39? And 57% of that, that group of people are, are identifying as male? There wasn't a hurricane force of spiritual rain that, that perhaps changed the course of our river overnight, but change has and it continues to happen. Some argue the current has been only picked up speed recently due to evangelical concerns or pastoral and leadership abuse, and I would agree with that. But nonetheless, the reasons are something to be debated, but what has happened to everyone, regardless of faith, is a seismic shift due to the pandemic. All of us went through this together. All of us, um, all of us have had <laughs> our lives significantly altered due to it, right? Like COVID changed our lives and it changed the way the world operates. I hear all the time stories from people, how the pandemic has changed people, their motivations, and even their pursuit of vocations or employment positions. They no longer want to do what they did before, or in fact, they've quit doing what they did before. Goals and visions of the future and how we spend our time, for example, they've all changed. There seems to have taken place a bit of a reset in people's uh, minds that have given them the freedom to explore or wait to see what's next as priorities are still Priorities are still being refocused. And the church is certainly no different. According to data collected in 2020 by the Barna Group, 32% of practicing, practicing Christians who attended a church dropped out of church completely at the beginning of COVID-19. Moreover, and now this is an American stat, but uh, for the first time, membership in the United States dropped below 50% since they began collecting data in 1940. Another really interesting stat is that 14% of the people they, they uh, Barnett discussed with, they used the opportunity to change church opportunity, our church communities during COVID. It was an easy out in more than one way. People could just simply slip out and be gone, and some people could slip out and go somewhere else. Now, we don't know what the local impact has been, but we do know that the national average of people with no religious affiliation was 24% back in 2011. Yet at the same time, it was 28% here in Belleville. Belleville is statistically less religious and Christian than other Canadian areas. Which begs the question again, are we doing the same thing even though things have changed? This is a really important question and one that we will continue to ask because we are discussing another important culture statement this morning. We are pioneers. We have a culture of 
adventure and innovation. We openly consider and pursue creative new ideas that contribute to our shared sense of mission. Yes, we use the word pioneers, and I know that at first glance this term can be for some quite upsetting because of its connection to colonial genocide or indoctrination. The term can represent a group of people arriving to make their lives better at the expense or extinguishment of others. The drive to the Western dream has been a nightmare for many others. And the colonial mindset of settlement for the sake of self-promotion or preservation is an anti-Christ methodology and one we will continue to renounce and call out at times where justice and peace need to be restored. But we do like the term pioneer because its definition in connection to exploration in the verb to develop or to be the first to try a new method. As a kid, I loved to spend outdoors hiking and exploring the unknown. I have a deep curiosity about what's just beyond that ridge or that tree line or hill. In fact, sometimes it's the hill or top or cliff that catches my attention. How do we get there? What's on the other side? Yes, that curiosity of the unknown often makes me, me go. And I pray that we as a church will have a holy curiosity about the people and spaces we share life with and around. What makes them tick? What's just below the surface? What's happening and, and why? In fact, I believe Jesus was always curious. Did you know Jesus asked 307 different questions in the Gospels, yet is asked only 183? Jesus, according to the Gospels, asked twice as many questions than he asked, than, than he was asked, and I believe it's because he has a pioneering curiosity that seeks to explore, discover, or at least engage the unknown. Jesus' questioning curiosity is an indication to me that he's less concerned or interested with convincing people and always more excited to explore with them. So much that he'll often answer a question with a question as if to say, tell me more. What do you really mean? What do you think? What have you been taught? What's the motivations behind or even just below the surface of your question? Jesus asked questions about longing, compassion, identity, faith, doubt, worry, the reach of love, and even healing because he honestly wanted to know, who are you? What does life mean to you? There's a saying that a four-year-old asks 437 questions a day. And we know what it is. Why? Why, Daddy? Why, Mommy? Why, why, why? How many questions do adults ask? How many questions do Christians ask? One of the struggles of the church when the river changed is that most often we've never asked where it went. We've never asked why it was moving, what was happening, or what changes might be taking place beneath the surface. I believe we lost our curiosity. We lost our ability to even uh, to ask or even desire to ask why. We, uh, we lost our, our desire to explore. But here's another really important thing. Jesus seemed to find and even be driven to ask questions where the church has often been driven to offer answers. Martin B. Uh, Copenhaver argues this, easy answers can give us a sense of finality. Answers can be offered as a conclusion or what I would like to add to that, maybe a uh, conversation ender. <laughs> 
wherein he goes on to say this, questions are an invitation to further reflection. For the most part, answers close and questions open. I love that. Answers close and questions open. And so here at Reunion, we would agree that in our gatherings here on a Sunday or in our homes during the week, our questions and connections are moments of exploration rooted in a curiosity of others and ourselves. Because questions engage both of us, right? In fact, questions invite everyone to participate in the process of understanding. Our purpose is not to communicate knowledge so much, so much as it is to elicit new understanding on both sides of the conversation. Information is not the goal. It's not. We believe that understanding others and ourselves leads to transformation. The deep question isn't, what do I do, but why do I do it? Not how do I vote or speak or spend my money, et cetera, et cetera, but why do I do X, Y, and Z? What are the motivations, the needs or wants, my actions desire to fulfill the thirst I'm seeking to satisfy? Because we all have it. We live in a consumerist culture in the West that is based on this idea that we have or we, we have this need that needs, like, something will satisfy it. <laughs> The question is, well, what's that need? What's that deeper longing? What is the consumer or the product um, or the business saying I need and why do I buy into it? What are my motivations and the needs my actions actually desire to fulfill? Because our worldview, uh, it determines how we live our lives. And so understanding is a big thing because it's one thing to know your neighbor, it's another to understand them. It's one thing for your neighbors to know that you follow Jesus, it's, it's, it's another for them to understand it. But are we curious as to why and what is taking place in our neighborhoods? Does that curiosity drive us into the unknown, ready to ask who, what, when, why, or how? And here at Reunion, we know that there's an entire city, some 53,000 people, give or take, who have little or no connection to Christ in church. And I can't but help wonder, why? I'm curious, are you? Because without holy curiosity, we're left with a bridge to nowhere. When Christians stop asking questions, we've already lost our purpose. Our curiosity and exploration inform our missional practices. I know the term missional was all the rage a few years ago, but the church does not have a mission. The mission has a church. Mission, which means reason or purpose. Remember last week we discussed the flow of God's love and how everything has been created to live in this rhythm of love with God and creation with one another? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It... Therefore, when we sin, we get out of that flow and God's redemptive mission, his, his missional presence or their missional presence is therefore to restore or to recall everything back into the flow of God's loving created order. God wants you back in love. And so the missional presence of God is to bring people back into this wholeness or this completeness, this peace where we live in the flow of God's love. In the church, is God's weird but still top priority in God's redemptive process. We have a role to play alongside and with a God on mission. But if we lack the curiosity as to what is taking place around us, we will certainly never gain the insight how to respond. When Christians stop asking questions, I believe we've already lost our purpose. Now, as an extrovert, I gotta, you know, and I will confess that that making connections is a natural gift for me. 
I'm always trying to find ways to woo or to help people draw near to community in Christ. And the first step of love is not to assume, but to come alongside people where they are. There's this country song that says, she brought me a cup and I tried it, a little fruity, but she asked if I like it. So I said, so I said, yeah. (laughs) Then she played me some band on her iPad, kind of hit me kind of hippie. And I thought, no or nah, but I said, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? This individual went on a date with an individual and uh, they try drinks that he doesn't like and he says he likes them. He listens to music he doesn't like, but he listens. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. I don't believe we should pursue every relationship like that, especially not in the form of romantic relationships. I just wonder why the church, not the systems or buildings or organizations, organizations, but why we, the church, the people, haven't pursued relationships at all. We've created such a so-called holy separation between church and the world. We shouldn't be shocked when we look up and whoop, the world is gone. We've been so busy doing church, we have little or no time to be the church. And all of a sudden we look up and the river has moved. It's so important for us to remember that our missional purpose, that our, our part of our core identity as apprentices of Jesus is to be sent. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, it says this, Jesus is um, just getting ready to leave. His ascension has taken place and his, his apprentices come to him and they say, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? <laughs> we can talk more about this in our breakouts, but I love after after three years, they're still asking the same question. So when's this going to pay off for us, Jesus? When's this all going to be cool and we can go back to having our city back? <laughs> I love it. Anyways, uh, verse 7, Jesus continues. He says, or he answers, and I think this is kind of tongue-in-cheek. The Father alone has the authority to set those times and dates. They're not for you to know. But, here's what you should know, or but, this is what you're going to do. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And guess what? You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In our upcoming series on the Holy Spirit, we're going to discuss the power of the Holy Spirit. But the single point I want to make right now is that we are called to be witnesses. A part of our identity as an apprentice of Jesus Christ is to bear witness. We are a sent people to share a story or to tell of our own experiences to others. And I think in order to do that, we have to reclaim our holy curiosity as a sent or exploring people. This means we get to reintroduce ourselves to a world that has lost touch or worse, straight up moved beyond our reach. And so here at Reunion, we intentionally do less traditional and modern programming as a church in order to free our schedules to be present in our communities. We don't want to be so self-absorbed that, um, that we fail to connect with the people we've been sent to, to witness to. And if now, please, please, please do not hear me say that our neighbors are projects or targets or uh, targets of evangelism or conversion. Those types of mindsets, they actually sound colonial. That's not what we're talking about. We are simply called to allow our holy curiosity to draw us into conversations with our neighbors prepared to bear witness or to share uh, to Christ into these people why we follow Jesus. It's that simple and yet it's that difficult. Instead of standing in our building with the expectation that people will come, Christ equipped us with the Holy Spirit and curiosity to go. Share your story. Maybe a good starting point is, why do you get up on Sundays at 8 o'clock to be at church for 10, or let me say 10, 15? (laughs) Why do you call yourself an apprentice or a Christian? 
What do you mean by peace? What does putting all things back together for single mums, the homeless, the LGBTQ plus look like to you? I love the questions my friends ask me because I'll often start with, hey buddy, what'd you do last weekend? And they'll fire back, hey Wes, what's your view on same-sex marriage? And they ask because they care. Most of my friends now, of course, there's an occasional one that's just trying to get me going, but most of my friends ask because they genuinely want to know how my faith impacts the big in the small areas of my life. But have we thought it through? In fact, have we met someone on the other side? Are we actually curious and connected to a world or just stuck on a bridge to nowhere? Here at Reunion, we're not interested in doing different for the sake of doing different. That's not why we planted. That's not why we sit in a circle. It's not why we have discussions on Sunday. We're not trying to be different for the sake of being different. We are intentionally asking ourselves, why do we do what we do and where does it leave us? Are we doing the same thing even though things have changed? Now, we planted Reunion for people with little or no connection to God or church. We also love that people with a, a sad or painful history with the church are feeling ex- like feeling so safe with us. We're so glad that in the midst of your healing or an apprehension, I got to tell you, I'm so glad that you're choosing to be with us, that you're given, that you tr- are learning to trust us, that you're taking a risk of being with us. And so I love that. I love that if you don't know, if you have no history with Jesus or you've got a painful one with the church, that that you're taking a risk with us. And we, we take that responsibility seriously. But the question is, is it, is it still working? Does this model that we're, we're wrestling with and trying and having fun with, and is it still working or is it hindering? Are we curious? Are we engaged? Are we, are we present? If we find that our, the way we're doing things is no longer connecting with people or putting us in a position where it's becoming more of a hindrance than a help, then are we willing to let go of the way things were for the sake of who God is calling us to now? These are big questions, big questions we want to ask, big questions that we need your help to answer. Here at Reunion, we are and are becoming pioneers with a culture of adventure and innovation. We have this desire to explore and to seek the unknown and to know why and what's happening. So therefore, we openly consider and pursue creative new ideas that contribute to our shared sense of mission as a sent people. This is not about us on a bridge doing our thing just for the sake of each other. We were put here to come alongside of a God on mission to restore people into the flow of God's love, to bring peace and shalom into the chaos. And so we have a holy curiosity that leads us to explore the people and community we live in. (laughs) The river continues to move. It's moving. What are we going to do? What is God saying to us and how are we going to respond? We're going to take a few minutes in our breakouts to to reflect on this culture statement, to reflect on curiosity, to reflect on even our model. And so we know that this moment can be very difficult for some of you as introverts or brand new people to our crew. And so we, we give you the freedom to speak or not speak, to just be engaged with your presence, though, to be present in the conversation. You don't have to say anything, but just be present and listen well. And if you have something to say, just jump right in. There's no... There's no problem with asking questions. There's no problem with you, you sharing a bit of your story. We do want to create space for each of us to explore and to wonder about each other. And at the same time, explore and wonder what Jesus is trying to do in our lives. Where is Jesus already active? And what does it look like for us to step back or 
further into that flow of God's love. We're going to take a few minutes and get back together in just a few minutes. No, if you're listening online and you're like, hey, this is interesting and I'd love to connect, um, we do have table groups that meet in Belleville and in Sterling during the week, but we're also interested if people, um, if there's a need, again, this is creative and maybe a new idea, but if there's a need for people to to engage with this uh, type of community online. And so if you're wondering, hey, um, I'm kind of tracking with this information, but I'm not within the area or I'm not yet ready to come in person, maybe there's a way that we can connect in a different way. So just hook, uh, hit us up on our social media or send us um, an information, fill out the information card on our website, reunionbelleville.com, and I will be the one who gets back in touch with you. But yeah, let's take a couple minutes in our breakouts and, and ask the question, what is God saying to us in light of this conversation, and what are we sensing we should do? We'll discuss it more together, more together in just a second. Thank you for listening to today's lead-in. We pray that you were able to learn something about Jesus today, but equally important, we pray that you sense a step you might take in response. What would it look like for you to live with Jesus today in light of our discussion? You can learn more about our community at www.reunionbelleville.com, and we're always here to walk with you.